and welcome back to Poldark Podcast. This is episode 12. We are a podcast about Poldark, both about the great new adaptation and the original book series by Winston Graham. This week, we will be continuing our series of Poldarkness episodes, i.e. the hiatus between season two and three, with today a look at the men of Poldark. This episode is all about the guys and what an attractive bunch they are. Mm-hmm. My name is Delenda. I live in France. I blog at Britishly So on Tumblr. I tweet at Delenda Dia. And I haven't actually really thought about my fave male character. I'm not going to say Ross. And um, let's say... No. Yeah, let's say Francis. All right. But yeah. All right. <laughs> R.I.P. Francis. Uh, this is Michelle. I am in the States. I blog at Poldark Muses, and I tweet at Musings. Um, my favorite male character um, would be Dwight. Um, my name is Rita. I live in the UK. I blog at Princess of Poldark. Tweet at Rita Bite. My fave male character that you two haven't chosen, I'm going to say... <laughs> Captain Henshaw is my low-key crush. Adorable. Yay. Just to get the topic rolling on the men of Poldark, I okay. thought I'd say something incredibly provocative and like low-key. <laughs> I kind of think the men are terrible people. Just, oh, just terrible. come on. I wouldn't say that they're terrible. Um, I think as with all of Graham's characters... They're all flawed. Uh, even our beloved Demelza is flawed. Um, and I think that makes for uh, interesting characters. Now, you know, there are times when uh, they are either on my shit list or not. I don't think you, that they're terrible. You carry around a little book of names, don't you? Yes. And I check them off. I mean, I understand that. But I think you can make a pretty good case here for the fact that the men in this story pretty callous in the treatment of the female characters. I think they often disregard the women's needs and desires, prioritizing their own whims, especially Ross, who is like the male lead. And Mm -hmm. that's largely because this story is set in a deeply patriarchal time in society. And these men are just men of the times. And the women are like completely shitted on constantly. I'm constantly like, do you have to do that? And I mean, even characters I love and who I think I like think of as like fluffy buddies, just like an all-round good person, like Dwight. He gets praised and fawned over by the townspeople, while the woman he cheated with gets murdered and called promiscuous. <laughs> even Dwight, and I love him, but come on. Just the way these characters are treated is kind of gross. But is it is it the the fact that these men, these characters, um, so Dwight is not the one that is seeking out praise or anything along those lines after the the terrible incident with Karen? Um, it's the way that the the town is uh, responding to him. I mean, I, you know, for Dwight, he's walking around. You know, in the books, at least, you know, he's walking around not eating, not taking care of himself, wasting away. Uh, you know, he's he is not seeking, um, you know, the the 
the the praises of the townsfolk you know they're basically saying yo dude you you know helped me when i was sick so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna support you even though you know you did this thing not to say that people's attitudes about karen the the townspeople's attitude about karen was uh justified in any way shape or form she was an outsider and um you know but she also never did uh try to do anything to get to know folks to become part of that community she she felt uh fairly for like two weeks <laughs> the <show coming>. <laughs> <laughs> but you know she she really didn't find uh the the folks that she was around to be individuals that she wanted to befriend and i you know i think that 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 kind of uh vibe winds up uh showing up in 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 bad ways like when this horrible thing happened to her but i think what's really depressing about that was there was no shading of the different reactions like the women were reacting the same way the men were Mm -hmm. they did not like her and um back on the men (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't say they're all terrible i think they're human beings with their flaws but if we need to talk about some (laughs) real horrible men let's talk about charles paul dark well not in death for now but he was a terrible man r.i.p but he was a terrible man the way he treated verity no resting uh... in peace for him (laughs) (laughs) could be burned (laughs) no no, but the way he treated verity the way he treated francis i really hated how he um how do we say that how he belittled francis when he he continuously compared him uh, to Ross. I thought that was really mean. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think, you know, the, the fact that he would constantly say things like, like when uh, Ross wound up getting married, um, you know, Charles is like, well, I bet you're happy about that, Francis. You know, you don't have to worry about him coming and taking Elizabeth. I mean, dude. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. So yeah, I I think that that he is all around. If we're talking about having a um, uh, continuum of like good versus good and evil, he is like way over on the evil side. (laughs) Um, So speaking of individual characters... That started off with the <laughs> Ross. Okay. Just basically, I think he's kind of dumb, but so pretty. <laughs> oh, well, now, you know, as much as he pissed me off this season, um, I'm still a fan of Ross. Uh, but I've got a right hook. So, you know, <laughs> if he needs it, it's coming. Um, one of the things that I think um, was unfortunate was the the – way that they managed the 10 episodes that they had for season uh, two, um, the scripts, and yes, I'm looking at you, Debbie, um, handled the the nuances of the story that's in uh, both Jeremy and Warlegan uh, with sledgehammers because they had so much to get through. Um, you know, I think they wasted a great deal of time with some of the, the episodes, um, with things that could have been handled 
uh, with a quick reference or like a short scene or something like that to, to kind of get the point across uh, to give us some more time to understand, you know, all of the shit that was going on in Ross's head. I, I just finished reading or listening to the book uh, Demelza and the detail of the mental strain occurring in Ross's head at that time was so beautifully written. Um, and, you know, it's been a while since I read both Jeremy and Warlagan, but I, I'm sure that the, the same is true there as well. And as much as I applaud Aiden's acting abilities, and I think he did an extraordinary job with with uh, what he was faced with doing this season, um, I don't think he was given all of the time to demonstrate, you know, all of the the lasting cray cray that was happening uh, in Ross's head because it it was piling up, you know, the the failure of Carnmore, Francis's betrayal as it related to that. Um, the uh, death of Julia, almost losing uh, Demelza, the uh, being arrested. Um, you know, then we've got the the stress of the trial. Um, you know, there's all of these things that are piling up that um, are going to wind up creating uh, something in his head that needs to have time to be um, demonstrated. And I think we didn't get that this season, which is a disappointment for me. I have sort of a controversial response to that. Okay. As I was reading the script, I noticed that a lot of the, the descriptions of the scenes of Ross's emotion, he was a lot more contrite, conflicted. I don't know, he was just more sympathetic in the description than I felt Aiden played it. And that may not necessarily be a fault of his acting, but maybe the way they edit the takes they chose to use in the show. But he just came mm-hmm. across as a lot more abrupt and cold. Yeah. In the yeah. TV show than it was in the script. Yeah. Um, and that kind of like miffed me a little because it's like, why are you making him worse? Like he's already a terrible. He's doing terrible things, but at least if he's aware that he's doing them, like I can't hate him for it. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. Um, I think that Ross is the man that you just love to hate and hate to love <laughs> because wow. he, he, um, he is so stubborn. And, um, like I think I said in the, one of the early podcasts, he's very good. <sighs> he's a big charmer, but when it comes to, you know, communicating, with people, you know, mm. with his wife, and um, I'm very sad that we did not get um, many uh, more scenes between uh, him and Francis because, like I said, um, their relationship was one of my favorites um, of the series, and uh, you could tell that he was really <clears throat> devastated after he died, and uh, but he could not actually... Um, word his feelings um post uh, death uh, francis's death and um we know that there were there was a big um time jump between the end of episode five and the uh, the beginning of episode six i think and i think it um it's a shame because uh i would have loved to see how he, he handled the loss of um probably his closest family um member so yeah so i love slash hate ross paul dark because um 
he always he always does things his own way and uh, he only thinks after after he acts and yeah when we think back about his uh childhood you know and growing up uh his mother died when he was uh 10 uh he really didn't uh understand that you know he had his father's affections until he had been you know deathly ill with uh, uh flu or something along those lines and that's when uh ross found out you know that his father actually um uh did love him and so you know we during his his formative years so from 10 until 17 you know he didn't have his mom uh he's not going to learn um you know all the things that he could have learned from a maternal figure uh such as her and uh so i think that his his uh abilities to communicate were stunted by you know his childhood it explains a lot about his infatuation with elizabeth when you think of it in terms of mummy issues like he just can't mm-hmm. let go of the loss yeah but Ooh, we're pretty. getting deep on ross he's pretty <laughs> Yeah, really but props to Winston Graham, Debbie Horsfield, and Aiden Turner for, you know, this beautiful and uh, emotional psychological journey that we get to experience as viewers. Mm-hmm. It's just on a journey I mean, of, do I like him? Do I want to punch him in the face? <laughs> you know, if we, yeah, I mean, if we didn't have these um, uh, strong emotions about this character, he wouldn't be that much of a character. He's got to have you know, exactly. uh, 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 this this pull um, that winds up, you know, with all of us looking to throw things at our television at times, and then again, <laughs> you know, wanting to slobber all over it. But that's another show. <laughs> um, we should move on to the other characters of the web. Yes. Oh yeah. Exactly. Dwight Ennis who is oh. actually like just a sweet summer child. I want to give him a cuddle and be like, there, there, little, little blonde floppy head. Um, I thought Luke was a real standout in season two, much more so than season one, where I was just like, it's a rather handsome doctor character. <laughs> and he's quite one-dimensional, but I think as the story progressed... Um, his character got really fleshed out and he got yeah. to do so many more things other than just heal people mm-hmm. and have sex. <laughs> he got to perform <laughs> stunts and he had a love story and he got to save the day and was it episode seven? Who knows? Yeah, I think so. I'm really, really looking forward to his uh, storyline next season. Yeah. Get even more Dwight. Yes. Mm-hmm. And maybe a little bit... Not a huge spoiler, but a little bit of the darker side of Dwight Dennis. He will meet his winter. (laughs) That's very nice. That's very nice. Uh, No, I I think that uh, uh, Luke did an extraordinary job with uh, Dwight's character this season. Um, And um, one of the things that I really loved was the friendship that um ross and dwight have which you know in the books uh dwight and ross don't have it uh you know had this time in virginia or in the army or anything like that they meet um at 
Was it at Elizabeth's wedding? Oh, really? Maybe? I think so. I can't um, remember Elizabeth's thing. Yeah, but he's actually a friend of the Pascos, and hmm. uh, and that's how Ross and Dwight meet. So they don't have this this uh, deep friendship uh, in the books um, that develops. Uh, fairly quickly through the the, the books, but uh, they don't have any previous relationship. Uh, I love the fact that they decided to have the the two men know one another because I I, I think that that Ross really needs a a, a friend who can sometimes get through the, the dumb phases in his life. <laughs> yeah, this is not to say that uh, Dwight doesn't have his own moments of idiocy. Uh, you know, this whole, oh, God, Caroline's getting engaged. I'm going to go sign up for the Navy, which could very easily get me killed. I thought uh, that was just without, like he spent too much time around Ross and some of the stupidity he's just caught. Oh, you think? Yeah. He didn't do anything to try and verify if that was true. Um, and, you know, he runs off and joins the Navy. I mean, that's just kind of crazy. But <sighs> he has his idiot moments too. But he's still a sweet cinnamon roll who needs to be comforted and protected. Great floppy hair. Yes. Awesome I, hair. I absolutely enjoyed him in season two. And even in season one, I think that was his, um, his first scene when he sort of argued with the other doctor i forgot his name but uh, his leeches and uh, yes. the other doctor <laughs> oh, <Choke. laughs> i mean with a name like dr choke would you <laughs> want to go to someone like that has dr, dr. Choke, choke ever been right about anything on this show by the way no, hmm. no. Nope. he's like oh you have a lump here you have a cold i need to bleed you <laughs> everything <laughs> Common cold. Let's put some leeches. Oh my god. Anyway, everything you said, guys. Um, I look forward to more Dwight. And like you said, Rita, it was really nice to see that he's not just you know this uh, this handsome doctor who's just gonna heal and make all the women happy. And um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really like um his friendship with Ross too because I think that they balance each other and um. Yeah, even though sometimes he is also wrongly influenced by the idiot. But, um... <laughs> yeah, Ross is like, yeah, join the Navy. That's a great idea. I'll join I you. think I'm, I'm going to join the army. Yay! <laughs> Instead of facing my problems. Uh... Oh, Lord. Okay. okay. We love you, Dwight. We love Next, you, yeah. George Willock. I'm about to piss Michelle off. <laughs> I found George to be kind of a sort of a one-note season one, very obvious villain. Um, but in season two, he really, well, he really, we really delved deeper into the character, and he was a lot more shaded in this season. Like you got sort of an even darker version of him, but also there was some light in there. I think. Um, there were really wonderful moments of just complete pure evil, which I enjoyed. Sorry, but it's kind of funny. And there was also moments of like vulnerability and sensitivity, and yes, even kindness. 
I think as an antagonist, <laughs> I find him kind of compelling. Because his motivations are not always malevolent. And he sees himself as a good guy. And I like the complexity of having somebody who is a villain that I can sometimes sympathise with or just see their perspective. I think it adds like a great layer to the show. There are certain times in the series where I thought I'd rather have George as a husband than Lost. <laughs> oh, honey, no. I'm... Oh, honey, no, 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 sweet Jesus, no. <laughs> oh, oh, Ross may be an idiot at times, but I mean, George is an un- time this season. Yeah, but, but uh, George's um, selfishness and greed, um, particularly when it comes to those he sees as beneath him. Uh, would make him uh, a real no-go for me. Um, I think I think we saw, um, first of all, credit to Jack Farthing for his marvelous uh, portrayal of this character. He has done um, an incredible job at doing precisely what you said, Rita, um, showing us an antagonist uh, with who's sliding all over that um, that continuum that I was talking about earlier. Um, although I think he's basically sliding all along the evil side of things and he gets a little close to the warm and mushy side middle. Uh, but, uh, I think that, that there are, uh, motivations that he has that support his demonstration of a moment of kindness or sensitivity um you know for example um the and i know you love his proposal uh to elizabeth Mm -hmm. Um, but i think that there was truth in in much of what he had to say um about how he felt about her but you know as we saw in episode um, 10, um, all of those things that he was talking about, you know, being able to provide a, uh, a, a future for Jeffrey Charles, um, a, you know, able to uh, keep her and set her free from this cage that she's been in, um, you know, all of these things, you know, sure, he's going to provide um, a future for Jeffrey Charles. He's going to rip the kid out of his mother's arms and send him away to Harrow. Oh, um, no. <laughs> um, and, you know, when it comes to, you know, setting her free from this cage, you know, I don't know if any of you noticed, but, you know, every time she's standing next to the window, uh, uh, um, it looks like there are cage. That was yeah, like there the are most heavy handed. Yeah, so, you know, she's exchanged one cage for another. Um, so, you know, and when he is pursuing Elizabeth, what does he do in order to get her to accept his proposal? He is basically making up all kinds of things to get her so scared that she's painted into a corner and decides that she doesn't have any other alternative. How is that love? So I, I think that, that, that 
there's this underlying selfishness and and need and greed that is the thing that motivates him to do what is necessary in order to get him what he wants. Um, now, I do think that it's George's own insecurity about his origins uh, that causes him to act as he does towards towards everybody. Um, you know, he you know he would have been an absolute champion in the district if he'd had more compassion for the working class folks, uh, but he couldn't do that. Uh, because it would keep him from uh, being able to rub elbows with the fancy folks. And that's one of the things about Ross that he envies so much is Ross's ability to um, flow and communicate with people of all classes. Um, and it's one of the things that he wishes that he had. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for, for the, the fancy folks... Um, despite all of the, the money and the, the glitz and the glam, uh, he's still seen as the other. Uh, the only thing that keeps them in check is the power that he holds over them with the bank. So, you know, it's, he's a marvelous character. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, uh, I definitely see him as being not somebody I'd want to be, be friends with. A quick counterpoint to you saying that he's motivated out of selfishness. Mm -hmm. That is a trait I think he shares with Ross. I think Ross mm -hmm. is incredibly selfish and he is willing to lie and manipulate Demelza to get what he wants at times. When he lied about what was... Well, he didn't really lie, but it was an ambition. He didn't tell Demelza about how he's, he sold his shares to help Elizabeth. Yes. He is willing to do whatever he wants and lie to his wife to get what he wants as well. This is something they share in common. And it mm -hmm. depends on sort of your perspective on like which is worse. In mm -hmm. my opinion, most of the time they're actually equally dreadful. They're both terrible mm -hmm. options as husbands. I'm like, mm -hmm. nobody. You're the same. Belinda, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about George? I I don't hate him because I can't help but feel <clears throat> sorry for him if he was not supposed to be uh, the villain of the story. I think he could actually he could have been the real hero because you know going from um, all of being poor, but I guess he's from like the the working class mm -hmm. and uh, yeah and you know really ascending to this uh, you know um, magnificent status. In a way, I think that would, he should have at least been, he should actually be like Ross Holdart because <clears throat> in the sense that he should actually inspire the working class people, you know, to to show them that uh, if you work hard, you can succeed like me. But no, he's supposed to be the villain, even though, like I said, to me, he's not the antagonistic character. Elizabeth is. Yeah, and uh, Michelle, your question was uh, if Ross had befriended George at the beginning of series one, would George have been so bad? I would say no as well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know when when he was um, you know sidling up to Ross during the uh, reception following Elizabeth's wedding. Um, mm. Uh, you know, he he was really looking to to see if 
he could, you know, establish a friendship with mm-hmm. Ross. Uh, now, of course, not really the best time to approach Ross. <laughs> uh, considering Ross that, you is know, always going just, through some kind of angst, though. Like, come on. <laughs> you know, but you know, the man had just witnessed the, the woman that he he loved marrying his cousin. So he's not going to be in the <laughs> best mindset to engage in a conversation about becoming pals <laughs> so so yeah i mean it, it's it's i but i do think that there were moments in the first season where we saw like glimpses of compassion um and regret with george um i think uh, particularly the one that i noticed uh during a rewatch of season one was when uh, Julia died and Carrie tells George that Ross wouldn't be a problem for them uh, for a while. And, you know, when George asks, you know, well, why, what happened? You know, he's going to be too busy uh, burying his daughter. Oh, yeah. And you saw this look on George's face mm. of, of, you know, really sorrow. Um, and sympathy for Ross. He's a real boy. (laughs) So, you know, there, there is this, this lingering desire for uh, a friendship with, with George, um, or uh, with Ross that, that George has, but, you know, Ross just can't get past the, the acts that the Warlegan bank, um, make towards the individuals that are providing jobs for hundreds of people and, you know, willing to drop the hammer on loans and close mines and all that kind of stuff in order to improve their prospects on their own interests. Um, you know, it's just it, 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 it. so Ross blames George for the entire state of yes, he does, and the, yes, he the does. way the economy is founded. Yes, totally rational. Um, yes, let's move on to Francis Polzark, R.I.P. <laughs> She's overcome with emotion. <laughs> I can't even think about him. It's just. Did you see that they're um they're giving away one of the Francis, mm-hmm. Francis mm-hmm. portraits? Mm-hmm. I really want it. I would put it above my bed. Delanda, have you have you entered in to, to try nope. and get that? Nope. 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 Everybody, whoever wins it, give it to Delanda. She deserves it. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah. I think Francis's character um uh has been uh, such a delight to see um, develop over the course of the, the last two seasons and and praise, praise, praise to Kyle uh, for his marvelous, marvelous portrayal. Um, I think, you know, season one, we all just wanted to smack him upside the head uh, <laughs> for being stupid enough to, you know, to for being stupid enough to, to gamble away the mine. Um, I didn't, I didn't have too many issues with his relationship with Margaret. <laughs> um, um, uh, mainly, you know, if 
you know, my feelings towards Elizabeth have not been very positive. But, you know, the thing that, that just made me want to slap him upside the head was all of the gambling uh, that he did um, and losing the mine um, for s- such a stupid reason. Um, he did it but, for lols. For lols. Yeah, for lols. Yes! Um, but uh, then to see him make this uh, turnaround and begin to become uh, the the kind of man that he always wanted to become, um, only to wind up drowning. <laughs> All right, Francis. He was just too good and too pure for this world. Yes, he I think, was. Like, when you think about the start he had in life, yeah. I think, like, with such a shit for a father. Did they ever talk about his mother? No, no, not at all. Do you think she's like locked away in the attic somewhere? <laughs> um, but just coming from Charles Poldark and like making it out a fairly decent human being mm-hmm. is um, just an accomplishment in itself. And he was a good brother in the end, even though it took him a while and he was being a good cousin and a good father. Mm-hmm. And he tried his best with Elizabeth, even though she was being a bitch, damn it. <laughs> she didn't love him, okay? I love him more no, than that. She didn't. She didn't. Oh, girl, why are you doing this to No, but seriously, I just, I feel bad because, you know, I hadn't read the the first two books so maybe Mm -hmm. if I had read them before actually starting to watch the show maybe I would have gotten more depth into the character and maybe understand him more but in series one I hated him like no doubt about it I just wanted to smack him in the face and um yeah so I felt really really bad in season two because we only had like what four five episodes with him five episodes yeah yeah and Maybe three when he was happy. So, yeah, and yeah, he spent, like, two episodes yeah. just holding a gun. Yeah, the first two episodes he was downright miserable. Yeah, and what um, was really depressing was that he was going around apologizing to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. everybody was just like, yeah. That's why I kind of relate to him because you know you always want to, want to do good and uh, it, sometimes it just doesn't work. And uh, yeah. he tried so hard, bless him. So, speaking of Francis, yes. let's talk about the man who moulded him, Charles uh, Oh, God. Must we? He, he is the fucking worst. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, he is. He just belittled and undermined Francis at almost every turn. This is a direct mm-hmm. quote. He calls him a son who's neither of use nor ornament. It's oh, like, yeah. Damn. He ain't ugly. Mm-hmm. He is very ornamental. How dare you? (laughs) Who wouldn't? Anyway, he seems to hold Francis responsible for the mine failing, which is completely irrational because, I mean, it's just mines were failing at the time. But he never bothered to instruct him on how to run the damn thing. Mm -hmm. So when the responsibility Mm -hmm. is thrust upon him suddenly when child gets ill he obviously mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do and he's yeah. getting no guidance from anyone 
I mean, right. And, and, and what does he do? He winds up saying, you know, be more like Ross, which, you know, he's been belittling him uh, and comparing him to Ross for basically everything. So, you know, why, of course, is he going to wind up trying to do that now um, after, you know, it's clear that his father doesn't think he's got any, any backbone like his cousin Ross. Asshole. What's confusing about that is that there are like, oh, well, you know, Ross, he's a wastrel. He's rebellious. He'll go out and (laughs) sleep with anybody. And Mm -hmm. then when um, Francis starts, sleeping with prostitutes and playing with cards is when they're like, oh my god, no, don't be like that version of Ross. <laughs> be like the other version of Ross. Be the other version, yes. It's like, oh my god, you people are terrible. Like, just let him be himself. I think left to his own devices, Francis would have been a really adorable, like, fluffy puppy human being. I mean, as well as his complete destruction of Francis's self-esteem. He also destroyed Verity. Human <gasps> Verity was like freaking terrible. Yeah, just, this man was just an awful father. Yeah, it, just reprehensible. I mean, you know, for him, Verity's role was to be his unpaid servant. You know, mm-hmm. and the fact that, and the fact that, you know, she has the nerve to try and have a relationship. Um, you know, it's a personal affront, not just because, um, you know, as as you are fond of saying, uh, she winds up uh, hooking up with a alcoholic murdering <laughs> asshat. Um, <laughs> um, it's the dumb truth. But, you know, if if she had wound up um, bringing home, you know, the the absolute perfect person. Um, Charles would have had the same. Yeah, yeah. Charles would have had the exact same reaction because for him, it wasn't so much you know that Verity that that Verity uh, shouldn't marry that kind of thing. It was you know, well, who is going to be here to take care of me? And Agatha continues that um, into season two, which is selfish. Exactly, not a fan. It's a major dick move, my friend. God, the Pollock men. What are you doing? <laughs> um, oh, God. But yeah, I, he's he's horrible. Speaking of terrible, Andy, blame me. <laughs> like you said, an alcoholic who got drunk and aggressive with his wife and, quote, accidentally killed her. But I guess we're supposed to think that's a good match for Verity. Nope. He's just weird. I don't get it. And he's not in season two. It's like Verity's married and happy, but she seems to live alone. But she well, needs to have a baby. No, he guys, he is sailing he's a ship. Sailing. He's sailing he's a ship. He was in one episode and that was for like three minutes. <laughs> His son was in the show more. You know how I feel about his son. I know. Just you have really strong feelings about the blameys. It's a really strange choice for such a beloved character. I know. I'll set her up with an alcoholic. <laughs> who's never around. 
married at living in a comfortable house. You know, you've got oranges to eat whenever you want to because, you know, Lisbon. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and the husband that pops in every now and then. Unless Sweet. Unless he's drunk, then you're screwed. He- Good thing he's not in the Navy where they pay you in gin. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a really strange choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of alcoholics, yes, painter. <laughs> Even worse. Phil Davis has done an amazing job with that character. Um, Judd is uh, a character that, you know, I know that in the books, I basically want to strangle him um, <laughs> throughout the series, especially uh, when we get to Four Swans, which, you know, I'm, that, I'm not going to say anymore. Because, spoiler, um, but uh, I think that Phil Davis has done an amazing job with the character. Uh, He has provided us uh, quite a bit of comic relief um, at times when I think we've needed it. Um, I hearken back to when he is at the pub talking about his testimony at the trial. Oh my gosh, that was so funny. Yes, your horribleness. And <laughs> that was hysterical. Um, but uh, I think that that uh, I do like the fact that uh, they have softened Judd's uh, opinion about Demelza um, in the show. Because um, that was one of the things that always bothered me uh, in the books was how much he pretty much loathed Demelza. Uh, in the books um, and throughout the, the the series, that's a sign of a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, putting the, putting the hate on Demilza. I love not when not cool. he was resurrected like Jesus, yeah. and everybody was like, <laughs> "The weirdest thing this show has done." Yes, Just yes. so funny. <laughs> oh gosh, and I I admit when I read that part in the book, I was uh, doing a bit of snort laughing. <laughs> Mark Daniel, anybody mm-hmm. have anything positive to say about that rat head bastard? <laughs> uh, nope. I felt bad for him, um, you know, because he he loved Karen so much. But you know, he did was he? a dick. Or he did was a he dick. Oh wow, there's a hot chick. Let me marry her so I can bang her. Then not pay any attention to her. And then kill her when she inevitably acts out. Um, no comment. <laughs> uh, he was, okay, to be fair, he wasn't exactly the most fleshed out character. Zachy Martin. I love Zachy. Or as I call him, the one with the beard. <laughs> beard? Oh. Uh, Captain Henshaw. Cinnamon Roll. Yes. My absolute face. His little face. I adore him. His little face. He's just so jolly and he loves Demelza more than Russ. So that's the Oh my gosh. He adores Demelza. They I love uh, that, that they have like little inside jokes and Ross just sort of stands there looking grumpy. I I I love the the when they were leaving the court after the trial and you know, I think I think he's something like, you know, I thought I was going to wind up dealing with the sensible side of the family. <laughs> oh. 
That was hysterical. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just love how he sticks around, even though, um, well, through uh, Ross's uh, idiotic adventures. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Sort, of, sort of just see him going, okay, this is dumb, but I'm just going to go with it, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever Ross is like, I don't think we should pursue this tin. And Captain Henshaw is like, okay, but I think that we should maybe think about it. Should I go show you the tin? Look at how much tin it is. Do you think maybe we should, do you think we should follow this up? And then it ends up being the biggest tin load ever. Yes. Well done, Captain Henshaw. Literally say. Do we ever, do we ever learn what his first name is? Captain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's not allowed any. Like, does he have a backstory? I can't remember him being that much no, in the shot. No. In the novels, he's really. barely there. McNeil. Sexy mustache. Ooh. Sexy mustache. Love the Scots accent. Massive dick. I mean, I would approve of like almost everything except his casual attitude towards sexual assault. They yes. took a steep turn into douchebaggery. <laughs> Absolutely. It was, Absolutely. We were all having a good time and then that happened. Exactly. You know, and and you know, for him to just be, you know, oh, it's really sweet that you're thinking about your husband, but you're know, like, right now your yeah, juice you- is to me. I was like, what? Yes. Like she damn, son. So ugh. You disappoint me, Captain McNeil. You disappoint me. Um, Ray Penvenin, who is a douchebag that I love. <laughs> oh my god, he's adorable. Thank <laughs> you. His interactions with Caroline turn me to mush. When she reappears at the end of um, episode 10, and he's he's literally dithering. He's <laughs> like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh my god, you're so cute, I can't he's stand it. He's so cuddly. Even when he's like yes. disapproving of your love interest, he's just mm-hmm. like so cute. And I wonder if like that is just entirely down to John Nettles or if that's No, I like the character I think in the so. book. So. There's something like too yeah. warm and squishy about him. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I I think so. I think John Nettles is marvelous. Just marvelous. I am going to watch the Midsummer uh murders some of the the older episodes just so that i could watch him because he's was so adorable in this you can go back to bergerac like that's where i recognized him Ooh, okay he was actually kind of hot back in the day but like, let's not get into it because he's way too old for me um, <laughs> let me take that out yeah um, um <laughs> speaking of adorable older men harris pascoe everyone's favorite jolly banker he reminds me of a koala bear for some reason. <laughs> I see. It's the tiny glasses. Yeah. Tiny little beady eyes. I think uh, in the commentary they said that he had those glasses and he brought mm-hmm. them into set because he thought that Pasco would have tiny, tiny glasses. I think yes. that's so cute. He's thought about this character. I, I love that. I love that about him. Um, I think that uh, uh, he adores Demelza as, you know, is how how you do. Um, And I think he really is cheering for Ross to to be a success, um, even when he has to share uh, bad or uncomfortable news about um, things. And I love (laughs) it. Yes. Um, 
I love how uh, I would say how parental he was when uh, Ross came in, you know, before the the trial. (laughs) He was basically scolding him for (laughs) all the things that he'd done. Uh, You know, this this loan and, you know, you don't even have a will and (laughs) all of these things. It was it was great. It was just great. And the scene he had with um, Caroline Penmenon. Was so mm-hmm. cute. He was just like, "Ooh, a lady!" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and they were both just like, oh, they were really firing off each other. It was really fun. Yes. Like you can yes. tell when actors are having fun in scenes, and Hesco yeah. scenes are always like good time, even though they're usually talking about like the driest crap on the planet. It, exactly, and and bad news, bad bad news. Another like complete fave of mine is Unwin. Unwin, you are my shining light. <laughs> I love him so much. He's just so strange and He's so terribly poor. That scene where he bought a new coat was like a highlight of my yes. year. <laughs> I bought a new coat. He does a little spin and he's like, yes. He's like, oh my god. Are you for real? But yeah, buffoon. And I loved how, uh, you know, his relationship with Caroline was, you know, basically cat and mouse. <laughs> you know, One her very being the cat mouse. basically just playing with him right, left, and center. And he didn't know, you know, he didn't know if he was coming or going, you know, with all of the the uh, thinly veiled insults. <laughs> that she would fling at him. They were really thinly veiled, but he's just too stupid. Exactly. <laughs> she would too insult him, up. and he would just smile. Richard Tonkin, who uh, looks like a pirate to me. <laughs> oh, I like Richard. Um, and I think that, uh, I'm hoping that we will see more of him in season three. Um, you know, as we know, you know, Ross has this, you know, investment now with the um, the shipping or the boat business that uh, Richard um, is a partner. And uh, so I'm kind of hoping that we see more of him in season three. Now let's let's get down and talk about the actors. All righty. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Turner. He Mr. is Turner. very turnery. <laughs> this young man <laughs> he's he's pretty damn extraordinary he really is um uh very very good uh in in everything that i've seen um you know i really am looking forward to seeing some of the the independent films that he worked on between season uh one and season two um like look away and um Loving Vincent. Um, oh, God, I know there's another one. The Secret Scripture? No. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the one. That's I'm it. sorry I said that in such a questioning way. The Secret yes, Scripture. that's the one. So his previous roles, The uh-huh. Tudors, Desperate Romantics, The Clinic, Being Human, The Hobbit Movies, Snore, and then they were hey, known. now. Me likey the Hobbit movies. That's agreed to disagree <laughs> about the entire franchise. <laughs> um, yes, ma'am. What is your favorite previous role? 
because you are the Aiden Turner fan amongst us. Aiden Turner freaky fan. Um, Gosh, away. This is your moment. My, my moment. Uh, I would have to say uh, being human. I adored um, his role in being human. I thought he did um, an amazing job uh, portraying uh, John Mitchell, um, this you know, tortured soul. Um, you know, I think it was his performance in being human that drew uh debbie and the the team at mammoth when they were um planning to do poldark uh to offer him the role and him alone he was the only um person that they had on their list to play ross poldark um and i think it was primarily because of his performance in being human um i've all i also enjoyed his performances in hattie um and the clinic um what is the clinic about? The clinic is actually kind of a, 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 a an Irish uh, kind of ER? nighttime soap um, oh. that is about a, um, a physician's clinic uh, in Ireland, and Rory Ooh, plays so uh, Irish version of doctors. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, Aiden plays uh, Rory McGowan, who is uh, one of the receptionists. At the clinic, uh, but he's also <laughs> at night he DJs, um, and so, so it's, it's, he's like the character in private practice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really it was really a well done series. I I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, and he was only in I think the last two seasons of the show, um, but uh, uh, I really really enjoyed it. Uh, he was also in this movie called Alarm, which um, it was very good. I, he had the craziest, wildest hair. <laughs> hair problems seem to follow him to the job. <laughs> well, it, it was like, you know, the, the, the hair that he had in Desperate Romantics and in Poldark, uh, bushier and wilder. <laughs> And it looked great. (laughs) It looked great, but uh, it's a it's a a kind of a psychological uh, thrillery kind of movie, Um, and you know it was it was good, um, but it the he is not the main character uh, in the in the movie, Uh, but uh, um, you know it was good. Can't wait for him to do uh, theater, which um, he did an interview at a recent film festival. Going to have time. And he said that he really wants to get back into theater. And I, I, oh, I would love to see him in a play because I think he would probably be pretty terrific. Uh, I've seen him in uh, Desperate Romantics and uh, more recently, well, post Poldark, and then there were none. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's great. And I really like how he plays such cathartic characters. So um, yeah, look forward to more Aiden in theater too because I love theater. Um, yeah. Luke Norris, who hasn't been in like too many roles, I don't think, from mm-hmm. his Wikipedia. I think he mostly does writing. I think uh, writing and theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I want yeah. to see him in a in a play because he's been in some good ones. Yeah. His credit list includes The Inbetweeners, The Duchess, Skins, that crappy version of Titanic that was on ITV, and that I did not watch. Um, 
Our World War and Firstborn. I the only thing I've ever seen him in is Poldark, and I I love him. I think he's fantastic. Well, technically, I've seen him in the Duchess Skins and the Inbetweeners, and he didn't make an impression. Oh dear. <laughs> Jack Farthing. Mm. Pram face. Silk. Silk now. Now, Silk, is that the, the the lawyer one? Do you know? Yes. Yes. I have every single season of that show on DVD because I love Silk. And I can't remember him <laughs> from that. So now I'm going to have to watch all of them again. Yes. Because I must, I must, I must find him. <laughs> um, da Vinci's Demons, which one of my friends is really into, but I've never seen. Poirot. Mm-hmm. Blandings, which he was in the Riot Club as well, and he was in Scylla, like the TV series about Scylla Black. Mm. He has been like in a few things I've seen, like his face will mm-hmm. just pop up, and I'll be like, That's Jack Farthing! <laughs> he is universally good in absolutely everything he's in. Oh, wow. Very good actor. Okay, I'm gonna have to be on the lookout. Um, Dancing on the Edge, because that's an amazing. Oh. Dancing on the Edge is such an amazing movie. And again, I watched it. Can't did not it. <laughs> did not notice it. So gotta have to do this. Um so yeah. Um Kyle Stoller. Mm. Anna Karenina. He's in Bad Education, which was a really, really funny episode. Um The Keeping Room. Uh Odyssey. I don't know what version of Odyssey that is. You Me and the Apocalypse. Silent that witness. was hysterical. Um, Silent <laughs> Witness, The Hollow Yay! Crown, <laughs> The Hollow Crown, and Counterfeit Cat. You no, know, You Me and the Apocalypse was great, um, and that was um, that was when I realized he was American because he plays an American in in the um, show, and I was like, oh my god! But first of all, I thought, oh, he does a great American accent, and then I you know looked him up and I was like, oh my god, he is American, which means. Holy crap! He's, he's doing an amazing British accent on Poldark. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's fantastic. I really, really um, hope that he does uh, a lot more work because he's a terrific actor. Um, but lastly, let's talk about my personal favorite and the love of my life, Hugh Skinner, who plays <laughs> um, Unwin Trevonen. Trevonen. <laughs> yes. He was in. The 2008 version of Tess of the D'Urbervilles, oh. um, Any Human Heart, Les Miserables, yeah. the Oscar-winning movie. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, maybe he can sing, I don't know. Um, he was in a, a comedy show called Arzu. Let me check it out, Les Miserables. Um, he's in one of my favourite TV shows, W1A. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. I'm going to make you all watch because it's so good. It's W1A. Okay. That's the postcode for um, where the <laughs> BBC Broadcasting House is now. And it's set inside. The, it's, it's a BBC show about like the floundering way the BBC is run. He plays an intern called Will, who is literally so eloquent. These are direct quotes. Yeah, cool, yeah. It's cool, yeah. Yeah, cool. No worries. Yeah, cool. He's also in 
Fleabag, a film called Kill Your Friends that stars Nicholas Holt, <laughs> who has starred with most people. Oh, yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah! And he was also on the show The Windsors, where he starred as Prince William. What? Really yeah. So funny. I think I, I have only seen him in like a very short movie, which was so funny. Yeah, I just checked him in Les Miserables, and yeah, he was just playing a, um, a Miserable. <laughs> he was miserable. Yeah, right. So many people were in that movie. I think it's because they yeah. shot in, like, North London, <laughs> France. What? Okay. Phil Davis. Oh, he's so good. Um, the first thing I ever saw him on uh, was uh, an episode of Doctor Who, uh, as a matter of fact. I've noticed him in various different character roles uh, ever since then, uh, including Desperate Romantics. Um, uh, I love the fact that he and Aiden <laughs> worked uh, together before uh, Poldark. And uh, also he was in, was it the first episode of Sherlock? I oh, I don't like that show. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so I can't um, <laughs> but, uh, Some of his other roles include Bergerac, um, Alien 3, Secrets and Lies, Nicholas Nickleby, Vera Drake, Casanova, Bleak House, Notes on a Scandal, Inspector George Gently, Lock Race to Candleford, Whitechapel, My Family, Brighton Rock. Loads of things. Um, next up is Richard Harrington, who plays Captain Blamey. Uh, he's actually in a, a current series um, on Netflix, um, Hinterland. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. Hinterland is a series that is on um, uh, Netflix, and uh, they've had like three different seasons. So he's been very busy with that. What was it about? Um, he plays a detective, and if I remember correctly, he is is based in Wales. Wales. He seems very Welsh. Yes. Yeah, based in Wales. He looks yeah. completely different if you Google Doesn't him. Doesn't he, though? Doesn't he, like, though? Okay, take back what I said about him being kind of ugly. Um, no, he's, he's a handsome man. The person I really want to talk about is John Hollingworth, who plays Captain Henshaw, because he seems to have an insane career. So he was in the 2009 version of Wuthering Heights, being Human with Aidan Turner, Dorian Gray, 2012, which was the prequel to W1A, The Dark Knight Rises, The Hour, Da Vinci's Demons, Our World War with Luke Norris, Arthur and George, Top Coppers, Josh, Midsummer Murders, The Legend of Tarzan, Dark Angel, Transformers, The Night Rises. Like, those credits are insane, so props to his his agent, because that's amazing. Get money, ho. Henry Garrett, who played McNeil, you know, who we all decided was a massive tool in the end. Um, he's actually got uh, several things that are in uh, either pre-production or announced in 2017, um, including, and he's completed this, He's going to be in the live-action Beauty and the Beast. <gasps> Who is he playing? Yes, he plays the king. There's a king? Yeah. Since when? Apparently. 
apparently. I don't know. Okay. I'm going to take his word that he's playing the king. <laughs> yeah, I know that he's also in a, a season or a show called The Sun, which was filmed in the States, I believe. Um, that is uh, hasn't been released yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Question, was uh-huh. he in Poirot? <laughs> no. Oh, controversial. No, not Any in Any Agatha Christie at all? I don't think so. Um, he was in Peaky Blinders. A show that is on my list. Um, he was also in Foil's War. He was in uh, a couple movies that I have seen, but I can't remember. Oh, he was in Midsummer Murders. Of course. Either Midsummer <laughs> Murders or Poirot. Uh, but he was in Zero Dark Thirty. Wow. And uh, he was also... Him. Yeah, he was also in the movie... Um, Red Tails, which is about the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, but yeah, he's he's been very very busy since 2007, and he looks he looks very different without the the wig and the the mustache and stuff. Okay, hey. questions? Yes, questions. Mm-hmm. So we've got messages. Uh, thank you again for posting your questions and comments and messages. Um, The first one is from our friend Amanda R. Prescott on Twitter. Ross and Francis both have their struggles with mental health. Given the stigma around this issue both today and at the time Winston Graham was writing, do you believe the books broke the stereotypes on this issue or reinforced them? Uh, Do you believe the series so far has changed significantly with the original message of the novels? Oof, wow. Um, I need to do on that for a minute. Uh, Rita, you want to okay. comment? Um, I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm a person that has and will likely always struggle with my mental health. So I absolutely agree that it's an issue that faces a lot of stigma. And it's a subject that a lot of people are still quite ignorant about, even today. Especially in regards to men's mental health. However, I don't think that there's any real case to make for Ross having any mental health problems. I mean, beyond the initial grief following Julia's death, where he was definitely responding to trauma, I have seen certain posts that like to excuse a lot of his actions in season two thusly. I mean... I feel like that's just fabricating mental illnesses because it has no basis in the text. He's not exhibiting any symptoms. There's no insomnia or mood swings. There's no loss of appetite or a disinterest in his mining venture. He is functioning as he always has. So I do not know where they're getting this interpretation. I think it's unlikely that either Winston or Horsfield actually intended to make Ross's arc about his descent into mental illness. And if you're inferring that, then I think that that's just fandom wank. It's a headcanon that has no basis in the actual story. I mean, as for Francis, I thought the TV adaptation handled the subject of his breakdown much more sensitively and convincingly than the novel, which I felt treated it more as a trope rather than giving it the emotional weight it needed 
and I do think that the Francis does a 180 overnight plot point is ridiculous because this is not how somebody reacts following a depressive spiral into suicide. That's just not realistic. Um, I need to reread uh, both Jeremy and Warleggen, uh to see whether or not um, what I read in, you know, or what I heard at the end of Demelza carries forward. Um, I think I agree with you with regards to the grief that he was experiencing following um, Julia's death. Um, that that was a definite um, factor in his behavior uh, with the the wreck and uh, the the actions that that wound up um, with him on trial. Um, <clears throat> you know, as um, Dwight says in the show, um, you know, he thinks that there's some kind of uh, mental uh, break that that took place. Um, I do remember that that is discussed in the book and that Ross was uh, pretty annoyed with the uh, supposition that uh, he was not himself uh, the day of the wreck. And, and so he was, you know, behaving as though there had been some kind of break Um but I need to reread uh, both Jeremy and Warleggen before I can say either yes, um, there there are elements of of mental health um, driving uh, some of his decision makings uh, following the the trial. Um, I I can't I can't comment on that uh, right now, but um, I will uh, once I get through my rereads of both of those books. Which I'm intending to do uh, very shortly. Me too. Yeah, me too. I think I need to reread the books again because, um, yeah, I think mental illness is a very serious issue, and um, I never actually interpreted uh, uh, Ross's actions uh, as um, mental illness. I think he was just, you know, um, wrecked after he lost his daughter, and um, he just acted. Um, impulsively so um yeah i never just actually a response to trauma rather than yeah an he didn't actually strength. want to face the the reality and he just needed something to distract him mm-hmm. so to speak and um mm-hmm. yeah the thing yeah. that the francis is the, the the way that the the novel and the tv show dealt with francis is definitely having a mental a problem with mental illness do you think yes. that, that was coming? Mm. Like, I mean, I, I, well, I think that they, I think that the way that they handled, you know, his near suicide and uh, the conversation that he has afterwards was probably about as accurate to what, how it would have been handled back then. Um, you know, I don't think that there would have been a real you know, let's try and suss out, you know, what's going on and, and that kind of thing, you know, back in the late 1800s, uh, particularly with um, uh, a man going through uh, the kind of uh, descent into um, suicidal depression as Francis gets into. 
I get that. And it was acted wonderfully. And I thought that the actual moment itself was really heartbreaking. But as a plot point, I found it just completely disgusting. And that's my emotional response to it. It's not given any kind of weight in the story. It's just a plot point. That's what it was. It was giving the character a 180 because he's about to die soon so you want to have his death be really heartbreaking for the reader. So that's what you're going to do is use this as a literary device which I find kind of repulsive. It's right up there with using rape as a trope for me. It makes me incredibly uncomfortable and just deeply sad that writers are comfortable using this in this manner. Mm, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, You know, I think that, you know, this is one of those moments where uh, we could have had um, a bit more, if we'd had more time to add more finesse around the things that happened. I think, you know, we basically had, um, oh my God, cats, stop it. Issue where, you know, we had 10 episodes. They're trying to cram so much into these 10 episodes and we wind up losing um, opportunities for more finesse around um, some fairly pivotal um, points uh, that, that take place. Uh, you know, we needed to see Francis's kind of recovery, um, from that that too quickly. Yeah. Uh, Over three episodes, basically. It was basically, it was kind of like, okay, I'm getting myself and then, Oh, life is grand, you know, in three episodes. And, um, you know, I think, Well, really, that was one episode, actually. He started the episode going, well, it didn't happen this time, but maybe I'll kill myself tonight instead. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, no, I'll just go home with Elizabeth. Yeah. And honestly, you know, I can't even remember whether or not Elizabeth winds up going to Bodman for the trial. She does. She does? In the book? Okay. Oh, no, she doesn't in the book. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 it's... It has nothing to do with Elizabeth in really either. Yeah. And I think that's that does not help us when it comes to, you know, seeing Francis go from this, you know, complete low point to where he winds up just before he goes to the, the mine for the last time. Uh, you know, we have Elizabeth's character showing up and, you know, all of this um, emotion around, you know, loving Ross and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, trying to happen in that Like he's episode. going through some real shit. Yeah, Elizabeth's it, just got a crush. Yeah, it, it's just, yeah. Yeah. So I, I blame the fact that we had such a limited number of episodes, even though we had two more than we did the previous season. There was so much to get through um, from these two books that um, there was some sledgehammery kind of stuff that was going on. So anyway, I just 
it's one of those cases where you've got to put the character before the plot. Yeah. Yep. And yep. the classic failing of this season, I think. Yeah. I would agree. Next question. <laughs> Something lighter. Mm-hmm. Anonymous. Do you think George is a genuine douchebag or did the situation with Ross spiral out of control? It seemed the beginning that he sort of wanted to be friends, if only for whatever influence Ross has. And as soon as he was snubbed, it just went from bad to worse. Also, was Dwight actually in love with Karen Daniels? I've only seen the show, but it seemed more physical to me than love, as he told Caroline. Is this a case where the adaptation didn't quite meet the books, or was it more of an infatuation? Hmm. Great question. George first. He is... I think he's a a douchebag. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's a a douchebag in the sense that all of these characters are douchebags, technically. (laughs) I mean, they all have terrible instincts. They've all got flaws. I mean, they've all got flaws and, and, and... Uh, react and respond to things poorly. Um, poorly, or just in the complete opposite way of what mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. I mean, uh, the there's one part of this question was, um, you know, it seemed in the beginning that he sort of wanted to be friends, if only for whatever influence Ross has. That, I think, for me, really captures kind of why the relationship with Ross fails. There's not a genuine desire to be friends, simply to be friends. For George, there needs to be something that he gains from it. There's always something in it for him. I'm going to come at you Um, with a very misanthropic attitude, but I think that's what most people are like. George is a lot more upfront about it. Most people want something from their relationships. It might not be as explicit as George because he's using it for monetary gains. But I think in most of your relationships, you're going, seeking out a relationship because of the way it makes you feel, the way it makes you a different person. I mean, Hmm. George is just sort of a hell of a lot more manipulative, but he's also in a way a lot more honest than a lot of other people can handle. He is, um, but I, yeah. You just hate him. (laughs) Um, I do, but I think, I think, I guess what I'm thinking about, um, you know, when I engage in friendships, um, I, I am not, I do not have, you know, at the front of my mind, what I'm going (laughs) to, what I'm going to get out of it. Um, you know, with most people, but I don't think George has the emotional complexity it's not fun. it's not malevolent with most people for him it's malevolent it because depends. i don't know because i don't think that his intentions toward elizabeth can be described as malevolent it's just it's messed, possessive it, yeah but it's it's, it's, it's possessive up. yeah but it's also it, it's, not like it, yeah. he's intentionally trying to hurt her he ends up doing it sort he of. wants but but he wants to use the fact that she is who she is, um, you know, a member of the gentry to help him elevate within the gentry. But I think you've got to remember that at the, the time this is set, that was a fairly normal thing to want from a, a marriage. So your cards are laid out on the table there. Like, I'm giving you money, you are giving me status. That was fairly normal 
in a marriage. Marriage conveniences were incredibly popular. So it's not so gross as it would be today. Um, but you know, when, but when, you know, and I think that this, this speaks to, uh, you know, the, the differences of what, you know, when we look at kind of how things are here in the States versus how things are over in uh, Britain, where things are very much class driven. Oh, yeah. Um, and whereas here, uh, usually the, the issue that is uh, front of mind is race, not so much class even though it should be class rather than race. But we could go on and on about that topic for, oh, for ages. So we should... Whole deep social economic thing. I know, right? Um, um, was Dwight actually in love with Karen Daniels? I'm going to say no. <laughs> it was no. Not. And that's in that's straight from the novels. It was in... It was just lust, I think. Lust. And... Yes. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, because you come to Cornwall, you know you've been uh, deprived of certain things for a while. <laughs> and then you see, you know, this very cute girl, and, uh, you know, it, she welcomes you with open arms. So you're not going to say no, even though your morals tell you no. Your, um, your D tells you yes. But, uh, <laughs> the D. The Dwight. Little Dwight tells you, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Him. And um, yeah, about jo- about George. Yeah, no, I don't think he's a douchebag. He's just, you know, not hurt, but just um, envious and uh, awkward in his uh, in his way of doing things. And uh, but yeah, a little I'd... boy to me is how I see him, like throwing tantrums <laughs> when things don't go his way. That's how he's yeah. not very developed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lady Mad Chan. Two-part question. One, if Ross and Elizabeth had married in the beginning of the series, what kind of relationship do you think they would have had? Do you think either of them would have been happy? Um, they wouldn't have got married because I don't think that they, it would have even got that far. <laughs> think about it. They didn't even last a day. and He literally slept with her and was like, oh, no. <laughs> I think even if they'd got engaged, somebody would have broken it off eventually. Yeah, I think that um, if they had married, um, I don't think... I think we probably would have seen um, what wound up happening between her and Francis. Um, Because, first of all, I think Elizabeth would have been shocked at what the expectations were for her at Nampara to be mistress of Nampara was not to play your harp and do embroidery and, um, you know, all of, of those things, you know, to be mistress of Nampara, you know, sure you, you may have some servants, but you are still going to be getting your hands dirty in running that, um, household. And I think that that would have been a massive shock for her. Um, I also don't think that she would have tolerated um, uh, Ross's physical attentions. Um, she doesn't strike me as the type of person to be um, sexual. Yeah. Um, you know, probably would do what she needed to do in order to have uh, 
you know, an heir, and then, um, you know, Ross would have been punted out of the bedroom, much like Francis was um, from his bedroom with Elizabeth. Um, So I I think it would have been a a miserable um, marriage for both of them. And Ross wouldn't have pie. He would not be fed. He He would not have pie. He certainly would not have pie. Imagine Um, a scenario where he marries Elizabeth, but then he still meets Demelza. Actually, there's someone that is writing a fanfic um, about that. I, uh, Jeannie, uh, 1960, uh, is writing. Yeah, she's writing a fanfic about that. Um, I can't read it because of my own trigger issues around um, adultery and and that kind of thing. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to to comment on it. But I I think if you are interested in in seeing what, um, what if. What what ifs? Uh, if you would like to, to see that, I would recommend uh, that you read the fic. Um, part two of the question. Ross is often described as being emotionally stunted. Do you think he would have been able to sort out his feelings for Elizabeth without sleeping with her? My personal opinion is no. Yeah, he is not, not emotionally savvy enough to mm-hmm. work out his feelings unless it, it hits him over the head with a boulder like mm-hmm. this isn't what you want exactly and I agree with you um, you know and, and I love the fact that they had that line in the show where you know and God knows there should have been a, another way for me to, to, to get to this this understanding uh, when he's talking with uh, Demelza um, in, at the end of episode 10 um, he wouldn't have been able to, to figure out what the difference is, you know, what was important to him. It shows you how stupid I think he idiot. is. <laughs> idiot, 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 man. He just needs to screw up before he thinks. Right? <sighs> yeah, you know, he winds up leaving a trail of disaster in his wake in the prod in the process, and not just you know, not just the 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 hurt that um, he inflicted on his wife, who'd done absolutely nothing to deserve it. Uh, but also the the straits that he leaves Elizabeth in. You know how I feel about her. Um, but it's really know, what, sad what he does what, to her. Yeah, what he did to her, um, you know, and the fact that he never went Sorry to for speak impregnating to her about you, like. what happened, to, to provide some kind of closure around it, you know, the, the, he, he didn't do that. So, you know, God third part of the question what kind of feelings do you think george has for elizabeth i feel like we covered this quite a lot thanks for making me laugh and think about the series in different ways oh you're welcome thank you for the question that was great george sort of views elizabeth as possession you think but like this love possessions he he all he out and out says it when he's talking to demelza just prior to the the villagers coming to burn down the castle you know, he's basically I'd feel worse you know, he, about this if I thought that Elizabeth gave the, a shit about him. But it's like yeah. <laughs> neither of you care, so it's okay to me. Oh, I think um, he l- likes slash loves her in his George way, but uh, mostly he sees her as a, a trophy wife and yeah. uh, a way to get to Ross. You know. He didn't get the girl. Well, no, actually, he didn't want the girl, so he doesn't really care anymore. But, you know, I got the girl that you once loved and once wanted for mm-hmm. yourself. But, yeah. Let's see. 
This is um, Attorney MSB3. Um, love the podcast. Thanks. Uh, and she's got a lot of questions. Um, why does Ross idealize Elizabeth for so long when her actions and words show she is not perfect? Uh, because he's an idiot. <laughs> He has money issues, as we discussed. Yeah, um, I yeah, I think that that um... largely down to pride. Yeah, neither of them can stand that the other one has moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that I think that you know, for for Ross and uh, I had heard someone say this um, a while back. You know, for Ross, um, because Elizabeth and the whole concept of Elizabeth was uh, such an idealized uh, thing for him. Uh, she is kind of where his brain goes when he, when confronted with, um, issues that are outside of his control. And when we think about what was happening during season two, you know, he, he'd, uh, lost his daughter, almost hung the, uh, debts that he has are almost insurmountable and will, probably land him in in debtor's jail the the mine is failing um you know he's got all of these things that are that are happening and you know when when you know you are in a situation where you've got a whole bunch of bad shit happening um what do you do you your brain wants to go to its happy place and i think for ross the idealized version of elizabeth was his happy place um and what the second question is what about his night with elizabeth ended his idealization uh the book gives some ideas on this but the show did not you know when you bring an idealized love down to the level of of uh, a real imperfect one the the imperfect one is not the one that that suffers um you know the 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 concept of uh actually being with elizabeth life with elizabeth um you know, that was all pretty much dashed. And I think we've talked about uh, why we think he would have been capable of figuring all of this out without actually sleeping with her uh, is because he's not emotionally mature. Um, uh, let's see. Do you think Ross ever considered going back to see Elizabeth after that night? No. 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 He was, he he was like, a coward. wanted to stay the entire morning. He was like legging it. Yeah, I mean, he, he was <laughs> trying to bail out of there, you know, before she woke up. Um, but I, I really, you know, Ross has a number of failings, as we all know. Um, I think the, the fact that he did not provide closure for Elizabeth was probably one of the worst things that he did because he just he slunk out of there um and in the book uh there is no dialogue that takes place um after you know when he's leaving there is none of this attempted post-mortem stuff going on so um i you know i don't think he had any intention of going back uh to see elizabeth after that night uh let's see uh why did it take ross so long to figure this out <laughs> i think we I'll say this at he's the same not, time. He's, not. <laughs> he's an idiot. He's an idiot. Um, you know, it, it's it, it it is. Yeah, he's an idiot. Um, Emotionally crippled. Inarticulate. Yeah. 
Um, would Ross have told Demelza that he no longer loved Elizabeth on his own without her prompting yeah, it? No. no. You don't think no. so? No, because he just doesn't have the emotional intelligence to be able to tell she's upset, I need to reassure her. Like, he just doesn't have that skill set. Like, his entire reaction was just, Demelza is upset. Stop being upset. You can get back to normal now. You're just bringing me down, Demelza. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he doesn't know that he has to sort of express his emotions and let her know what's going on and how he's moved on and how his feelings have changed. He just sort of assumes that Demelza knows this already. Mm -hmm. He's always, like, mildly surprised when she brings it up. She's like, what? Oh my god, I thought you knew I loved you. Like, you've never said it, Ross. Or, or if he has, he well, hasn't said it enough. Help. He hasn't said it enough. You know, I mean, it's like the only time that we know that she heard him say I love you was, you know, after Christmas at Trainwith. The honeymoon face. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Um, will he ever apologize, really apologize by acknowledging all of the pain he caused her? To me, it seems that all he did was tell her that he realized he loved her and he loves her and not, uh, love Elizabeth. Not enough, not nearly enough. Um, the show really effed that up, uh, because in the book, um, and I, you know, I swear people could have a drinking game, uh, based on how many times we say in the book. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, in the book, um, the Ross, you know, Ross, uh, does apologize for causing her the pain, uh, that he did. Um, you know, when, uh, they are having their kind of final, um, not confrontation, but their, their final conversation, um, before Demelza tries to leave. Um, he does tell her that um, he apologizes and that he loves her. Um, I bet the TV show never actually makes him apologize. Yeah. Well, gloss over it in season three. Well, I'm thinking because, you know, the way that the, the episode ended with, you know, Demelza looking up at him, you know, with, not apprehension, but, you know, she, there was kind of a, a lack of certainty um, in her eyes when she looked up at him. Uh, but then she uh, offers him a kiss. Um, and um, I think that they are going to have this string out into season three, uh, which really annoys the hell out of me um, because. Uh, Black Moon. Well, Just Black Moon really starts out with them uh, in a very good place. Um, you know that the reconciliation has taken place. Um, you know because she winds up getting pregnant shortly after Boy, Christmas. Hey, yeah, we've yeah there there've been pictures out there that have shown her with the the little she slung baby Ellie. Pregnant. Um, Didn't expect all the babies, but. But yeah, you know, it's like she, uh, so I worry about the, the omission. I, I'm wondering if it was just, um, something that they forgot, duh, uh, or if it was something, um, deliberate 
and we'll have to see what happens. But I, I am concerned. I feel like him apologizing in season three doesn't make any sense. <laughs> They've already no, it made not. up. Um, it does not. They've already moved on. What would be the point in having a second apology? Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I also feel like uh, he's not going to really apologize. And uh, that's a real shame. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess that's also the problem when you have, you know, a book and a TV adaptation that is based on the book because you have so many expectations and sometimes those expectations are not met, but you just yeah. got to deal with it and find, in a way, excuses for the characters. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and do whatever you can to kind of try and keep, you know, the, the, the book and mm. the adaptation separate. Which, mm. you know, I admit I'm having a difficult time doing, um, much less so than I did with the Harry Potter um, series, which is oh, I get the so first much fandom more angry I've about done. Harry Potter, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't feel like I, I've been... I, I swear I've got like a, a wall that's built in my brain that keeps the two of them separate because if they I were trying to come together, I, I couldn't deal. So, anyway. Um, but I don't feel like the show's sh really disappointed me all that much. Yeah. It's just like, uh, there... the season was going really well, and then I was like, stick the landing, stick the landing, and you're watching, and it just... Crumbles. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's like, oh, fumble. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully it won't be too detrimental. So, anyhow, thank you guys so much for all of the, the great questions. Uh, we really, really appreciate them and appreciate your support. Yes. Yeah. All really good questions. They made me think. Yes. Which I need. Um, <laughs> so in last week's podcast, we held a giveaway. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, for a set of two fabulous product prizes. Now we're going to announce the winners. So congratulations to Sneaky71S on Twitter and not even joking right now on Tumblr. Yay! Congrats. Yes. We've already contacted you and we're sending your prizes as soon as possible. Enjoy. Merry Christmas. Yay. Yay. Have a lovely and safe Christmas. Yes. And as one of my favorite uh, uh, songs, uh, Christmas songs is uh, Merry Christmas, Kwanzaa. Try <laughs> 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 and get all of them in there. Um, anyhow, so that's it for this episode and from us for 2016. Uh, we're going to take a holiday hiatus, uh, but we'll be back in January with brand new episodes for you to enjoy. Uh, in the meantime, uh, please feel free to message us or tweet us uh, with questions or thoughts or ideas that you would love to see us cover uh, over the course of the next several months of our uh, pole drought. Pole darkness. Um, Pull darkness. Yes, our pull darkness. Like, um, drought and darkness. Yes. The end of days. Yes, <laughs> the end of days. <laughs> uh, uh, you can reach us uh, at Pull Dark Podcast on Twitter or pulldarkpodcast.tumblr.com. Um, please uh, remember to subscribe to SoundCloud or iTunes and uh, do uh, give us your feedback so that we can continue to improve the, the podcast. Uh, for the future. 
Uh, so thanks for listening and have a safe and wonderful holiday and happy new year, everybody. Get ready, all your lonely girls, and leave those um.